Hey there, sweet all that to say listeners. I have an opportunity for you, an opportunity to tangibly demonstrate the love of God to those in need. If you listened to episode 129, you know that my son-in-law is working to end homelessness in the city of Elgin, Illinois, and we couldn't be more proud of him. As he continues on that mission, one step was creating a winter shelter this year to house 70 people every night from December 1st through March 31st. One way you can bless the people he is serving is to purchase something, even one thing, off the Amazon wish list that's been created. Things like coats, boots, socks, gloves, to backpacks, and tents are on this list, with the least expensive item being only $7.99. As I'm recording this, it is negative 14 degrees in Illinois. That's not even wind chill. It is legit 14 below zero. These people need our help. Matthew 25, 40 says, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. It would mean the world to me, to our son-in-law and to each of these precious people, if you'd be able to purchase even one item. I'm going to leave the wishlist link in the show notes. And as a thank you, I'm giving away a copy of any of my eBooks. So just message me with which one you'd like. Thank you so, so much in advance. Hey, sweet ones. Welcome back to the All That to Say podcast with me, your grateful host, Elizabeth Klein. On this podcast, we talk about the hard stuff. A, because I've been through a lot of it. B, because most of you have too. And C, because I believe that God guides us through life transitions. What I'm about to share today is fresh, going through it, and um, it feels vulnerable. I literally just kind of wrote it out and already have a little bit of a, what do they call that? Um, Like a vulnerability hangover. So now I get to say it all. Okay. Um, So I remember being about 27 years old. I can picture this. sitting in the dining room at my cute little brick house on New York street. My daughter, Sarah was a baby. Um, I was working on a project that I'd been working on during her nap times for a couple weeks. I had my Bible out journal, a book or two, just kind of all sprawled out around me on the dining room table. As I was working through the process of determining my life's purpose. And I'm sure if I looked through um, my journal 25 plus years ago, I could find it. I literally wrote something out, but I believe the first iteration was something along the lines of this. Love God by loving my husband, my child, soon to be children, my church, my friends, and my home, and serving the women in my ministry through my gifts of leadership, organization, and writing. I'm now 53. That home was four houses ago. I don't have the same husband. That church was three churches ago. I'm not in leadership at our current church. A majority of my friends are different and my children are grown. But this was what I wrote three years ago as far as my purpose or like a list of values go. Um, This is what is on the front page of my journal. It's what I transfer over every time I start a new journal. 
Um, I've never like said it out loud, but this is, yeah, this is what I wrote. What I want for my life to tend an intimate relationship with Jesus, to be spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally, and relationally whole, to be a kind, authentic, accepted, supportive, fun wife to Richard, to be a healthily loving and fun mom, stepmom, mother-in-law, grandma, to our nine children and four grandchildren, to be an encouraging, fun friend, to be a praying woman, to continue to keep a peaceful home, to help the women God brings across my path. Um, I don't know about you, but those things sound eerily the same as 25 years ago. And so I've been just revisiting all this. Um, my husband is retiring very, very soon. And we recently watched a TED talk by Dr. Riley Moynes, where he shared the four phases of retirement. And I thought it was fascinating. Um, it was like a 13 minute TED talk. I'm going to sum it up in like 60 seconds. Um, the first phase is vacation. It's what people typically think of when they think of the word retirement. There's no routine. You do what you want, when you want, going wherever you want. He said this lasts about a year, which is interesting because most people think that is the entirety of retirement. He said, but then you head into phase two, which is losses and feeling lost. He said the five losses are routine, identity, purpose, relationships, and power. So interesting. He said it can take quite some time to notice these things are lost and to process your feelings of lostness without those things. Phase three is trial and error. This is where you sort of get tired of feeling those feelings and a feeling lost and you realize there must be something else to retirement and you start trying new groups and activities and friends and adventures. And then phase four is when the contentment and meaning settle in. And he said, it's usually because you have regained the five lost things by finding activities you love and people to be around. And it almost always for it to be um, a meaningful retirement, it almost always involves some kind of service to others, which I thought was really cool because this guy isn't necessarily saying he's, he was a believer or anything. Um, okay. So at first I was listening through the lens of my husband and what this transition might mean for him and what it's going to look like. And, but then I started thinking about me <laughs> as we tend to do. Um, so I have lived a purpose-driven life, like for Rick Warren, you know, even wrote the book. I was 27 creating my mission statement. I went on to try to love God and my husband and my children and my church and my friends and the women in my ministry with everything in me for a couple decades. Specific to women, when I co-started the women's ministry and led it for 10 years. Um, specific to moms, when I co-created our first moms group at our church. Um, when I wrote my monthly mom column and then my first two devotionals for moms. And then, you know, some time went by and I delved um, into social justice for a season where I was caring about clean water in Africa and AIDS on that continent and, and AIDS in our city. And I traveled to Haiti and Sierra Leone and I led a team to Liberia and I joined the board of um, directors of the local AIDS clinic. And I 
I served by leading a Bible study there, and I started the AIDS task force at our church. And then, as life would have it, going through my divorce, and I not intentionally um, ended up refocusing my ministry on women in difficult marriages and those going through divorce and single moms with books and blogging and coaching and courses. And then I got remarried and I created more resources, um, things for remarriage. And okay, you maybe see where this is going. Every season of my life has been driven by the purpose of trying to love God, trying to love my husband, each of them, trying to love my children, trying to love the women God has brought into my life. That mission statement that I wrote at 27 has been my through line. 26 years, 15 books, 20 courses later, I don't know how many women I've coached one-on-one, and now a podcast, and my kids have launched, and I'm almost nine years into my remarriage, and here I am. And then something happened, something I've mentioned on the podcast and in my writing before. My ministry that had been growing and growing and growing, that um, if money were the barometer for success, I had two amazing years in 2018 and 2019. You've got to understand. I don't want to say with, without me trying, that's not, I was hustling like nobody's business. But like, I, I never could have imagined where things were going to go and how great it was um, and how fulfilling. And then, as I've shared, it all practically stopped, evaporated in 2020 with the pandemic. And it's never recovered. And I took courses and I listened to podcasts and I read books and I pivoted and I pivoted. I hate the word pivot. And I watched all these other course creators like knocking it out of the park during the pandemic. And no matter what change I made or could think of, it never recovered. And it's like, I now don't exist. I feel invisible. It's only in my more like whole, and grounded moments that I remember that the kingdom of God's view of success is not money and numbers and that I'm fully loved and I don't have to prove anything to anyone. And also something my dad said to me when I was having a self pity party last year, I had made the comment to him that I felt like my books were collecting dust and my courses were collecting virtual dust. And he said this to me, And you had better believe that I wrote it in my journal (laughs) and I wrote it in my notes on my phone. And I, (laughs) oh my gosh, I even made a, um, a meme is not the right word, but out of one of the phrases, because this is what my dad said. You see your books collecting dust. I see stardust. It's all the people you've touched. What you do matters. God sees you. He knows you're still there. You are an asset. He'll tell you what's next. Golly, didn't think I'd be crying through this whole episode. Okay, so I realized in those four stages of retirement that I just shared that in the basic loss of my ministry, 
I've been in phase two for a couple years, maybe a few years, mainly I think because I've been in denial. I keep, I basically keep uh, giving it CPR <laughs> and time of death was a couple years ago. But anyway, um, phase two being losses and feeling lost. Again, the five losses are routine, identity, purpose, relationships, and power. I don't like the power one, but I know what he's talking about. So he said it can take some time to notice these things are lost and to process your feelings of lostness. And I've been struggling to gain any traction to phase three, which is the trial and error and trying new things. And I think it's for six reasons. I'm sure there are more than this, but these are the six reasons that I've come up with. As I just mentioned, I am still in denial and grief that my ministry has basically ended, at least that variation of it. Number two, I still cannot believe that my children are adults. Like, (laughs) I mean, we're talking, they are uh, 25 and a half and 27, and I still can't believe it. My heart and mind um, just cannot seem to catch up with the reality. Oh, crud. (laughs) Goodness. I loved being a mother so much. Um, I grieve like deep down pretty much all the time that those daily mothering couple of decades are over. So I'm still a little stuck back there. I'm almost like in the retirement um, of motherhood as well. Okay, just realized that. Anyway, number three. Like I said, I feel invisible. Um, This is not a plea for attention, I promise you. This is me just working something through. But I will post something on Facebook. I will use a quote that was like a good one, quote unquote, um, that had like high likes and loves five, eight, ten years ago. And I mean, sometimes like zero. Again, it's not about the likes or loves. It's about um, crickets. It's about invisibility. It's about feeling unnecessary. It's about if I stopped, would anybody even notice? Now, from what I understand, many women my age, 50s, empty nest, that kind of a thing, can feel this way, the invisibility. Um Number four, I'm on about year two of insomnia, which means uh, chronic insomnia, chronic disruptive insomnia, to be specific. Um, my, my particular brand of insomnia is I sleep for a few hours and then I'm awake for a few hours, um, which means instead of getting, you know, most women our age need somewhere in the seven to nine hours of sleep. And for the most part, I am getting like maybe, maybe four or five on a good night. Um, I think I said that I told you guys um, that I did two sleep studies and they both came back with, um, you know, out of like an eight hour stretch, it was like one was 86 and one was like 93 sleep disruptions. So the girl's tired here. Um, so that it basically means I am physically and mentally tired a good portion of every day. 
which leaves me <laughs> honestly pretty uninspired to like start or even try a new thing or even thinking about trying a new thing. I've got like zero creative energy. Reason number five, I'm still mentally and physically recovering from 15 plus 18 plus months of daily fatigue and or pain from the what eight, nine, 10 things I had in 2023. And some I still have. And number six, I've talked about this one before in episode 23, and it's actually perhaps a bit weird. And it's a bit opposite from what I hear many women say. What I hear is sort of the trope that women either raise their children and now don't know themselves at all and forgot about ever dreaming. Or they work, say, full-time out of necessity, and they're eager to try something new that they actually enjoy. That was not my experience in my 20s, 30s, and 40s. For me, I had the parallel track of the dream of motherhood and being a homemaker running at the same time as leading a ministry, writing books, speaking, international travel, um, starting ministries. I genuinely believe that my every personal and career dream came true. And like then some stuff I didn't even think that I could happen. And I legitimately cannot think of another frontier I want to explore. I'm all out of dreams. So I'm feeling listless and I'm recovering from my year of bad health and my husband's retirement is, is, you know, upon us. And I'm trying to figure out what's next for me. So I want to share some quotes. I've, I've shared them, I think in other um, podcasts, but they're so good. Um, okay. So uh, two are mine. I'm not saying mine are the good ones, but um, one, this is from Shauna Nequist. Uh, Revel in the smallness of your life. This is who you are. This is what you have to give. Tend the small stream that is yours to nurture so that you can love your people well. My life is better when it's smaller and slower. I mean, I resonate with that. My everything feels smaller and slower. And that's like my vibe. <laughs> All the hustle poured out of me in 20s, 30s, and 40s. And I feel like I've got none left. And then Emily P. Freeman um, said, I am free to dream small. Oh my gosh, I love that. Um, something I wrote probably like two years ago when I was struggling with all of this, it was sort of a mantra that I needed to kind of co convince myself of. And it was this, I am doing enough. I am in God's will. Lord, please help me believe it and live my life authentically and in freedom. And then this was something that I felt Jesus speak to my heart. I mean, as clear as day, this was fall 2022. I was on a walk and I felt him say to me, only you and I need to love your life. Only you and I need to be okay with your choices. Just soak those things in girls. Cause those are all for you too. Okay. So there's also this, and this, uh, I, I swear with everything in me, I'm not trying to sound prideful when I say this. It's going to come out prideful, I'm realizing. There's a part of me that believes I like hustled enough 
to earn enough crowns to lay at Christ's feet. What I mean by that is this. If I were to sit on the couch every day for the rest of my life, I'd still be loved and enough as a human being. Like there's nothing else I have to prove to Jesus. Um, I have to garner his love. That, that part's done. I finally get it. I'm already loved. And yet, I mean, I am still breathing. I am still here. I'm healthy enough. I'm only in my early slash mid fifties. I may have what? <laughs> okay. There's no way this is a midlife crisis because I do not want to live to 106, but I might have like 30 more years to go. So I think I'm straddling the grieving phase of my mothering, my daily mothering work being done and my ministry work in its phase of helping women in difficult marriages and women who are divorced fizzling out. I'm, I'm in the, I'm straddling that, that I'm grieving these things, which remains, both remain so painful because I still want to be up in my kid's business all day, every day. Um, and I just want to help every woman in the world who's hurting, but I just can't seem to find them anymore. And they just don't seem to know I'm here anymore. Again, invisible. So I'm straddling the grieving phase and the what else is out there for me phase, because though I feel done, I don't think I'm done. So I grabbed a book called Women at Halftime by my former Redbud Writers Guild buddy, Shane Moore. And that was helpful. And I'll post a link in the show notes. And I tried a mentoring group last year, but ended up tapping out because of my health, which was frustrating because um, I, I don't like being a counselor. And I met with my pastor and I met with a connections director at our, our church to share my story, to offer my services to women at our church. Um, I'm trying things like the food pantry at our church, but mostly I'm asking God. One question from the women at halftime book that stood out for me the most was this. Can I believe God has a deployment for me? Okay, so I had like an, an inkling what the word deployment meant, but I looked it up and the Oxford definition is the action of bringing resources into effective action. I love that. The action of bringing resources into effective action. In other words, living a life of purpose and intention and meaning. And I think for me, the question that I have to grapple with is, can I believe God has a redeployment for me. He had a deployment for me. I did them. Actually, many, many deployments. Um, and I'm so very grateful for the ridiculously meaningful and purposeful and intentional life that I've lived so far. But like, did I use up all my deployments? I know it doesn't work that way. But at my age, with my low energy levels and increasing social anxiety and increasing desire for solitude and to just be home pretty much all the time. Does he still want to use me? Is he waiting for me to push through the energy to push through the social anxiety, to push aside my desire for solitude? I mean, I, I do those things. I push through anyway. 
I'm now just talking, I'm having a conversation with myself. I'm totally off notes. So do I like just get over all the humps that I listed before, all the reasons I think I'm stuck and all the things that I tell myself about my body and my energy level and my personality? I mean, those things are true. Those things matter. I don't think God wants me to um, push aside who I am in the season of life I'm in. So I don't know. Um, the title of this episode is I don't know what I'm doing because I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not in phase four for the rest of my life yet. Nope. And it's okay if you don't know either. You're so not alone. I feel kind of alone in this. So I wanted to share all this as vulnerably as I just did crying through a, a bit of it. Um, to say that if you feel invisible and unnecessary, I get it. And I don't want you to feel alone in that. So here's what I'm doing. I get up every morning. I drink my water. I make my smoothie. I spend time with the Lord and scripture and journaling. I do my PT exercises for my frozen shoulder and my plantar fasciitis. <laughs> oh my gosh. I go for my walk. I try to be a good wife and a good mom and a good stepmom and a good mother-in-law and a good grandma and a good friend. I'm doing all the things in front of me. I take care of our home and all that that entails. I'm reading some books. I listen to some podcasts. And I'm going to keep asking God what's next because that's all I know to do. And I recommend that for you too, if you don't know what to do. Keep doing the things in your life that you know need to be done. Ask God if there's anything you can stop doing. What is that? There's that quote that I found years ago. If you don't love to do it, and you don't have to do it, and Jesus hasn't told you to do it, stop doing it. And ask God if there's anything he'd like you to try. And maybe tell a friend that you're trying to figure this all out. And keep walking with Jesus. As always, if this episode or the All That To Say podcast has been meaningful to you, you know it would mean a lot to me. I think you know by now. If you were to share it, maybe send this link to a girlfriend. If you were to subscribe to it or rate it or review it or post it on Facebook. Girls, every time you do any of these, picture it as being you sending me a little hug because it means the world to me. And you're also sending a hug to another woman out in the world because it helps to spread the word. So sweet ones, all that to say, you are the unconditionally beloved daughter of God. And he is so delighted with you. You came into this world and you start each day already completely loved with no other loves to beg for and nothing to prove to anyone. Till next time, so, so much love. One of my clients said to me recently, I know how to live. 
I know how to do laundry and make dinner and get myself to work, but I don't know how to live a life. After our session, I reached back out. I told her I couldn't stop thinking about what she said and that I had written this down. I don't know how to live an authentic, meaningful, non-reactionary, contented life. And she responded, yes, that's exactly it. What so many of us are really after is a life filled with meaning, pared down to the basics, not so caught up in the things that distract. In this four-week e-course, Meaningful Life, we cover a slower pace, authenticity, intentionality, and our true hope. Along with all of my other e-courses, Meaningful Life is also pay what you can. You can check the link in the show notes to get started today.